Hey folks, thanks so much for your support through listening. If you really want to take that support to another level, we'd love it if you would support us by liking and following us wherever you listen to your podcast. Now what would be really cool is if you help us fly this kite through financial support on pages like www.patreon.com. A simple search on that page for Kites and Strings will provide a gateway to donate as little as $1 per month. Cool perks are also available, so please check us out. For now, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Kites and Strings, the podcast about creativity. My name is Steve Plough. My co-host, Catherine Shinnock, and I are both registered art therapists and licensed clinical professional counselors, in addition to being creatives. In this podcast, we explore creativity, and especially that tension that's often experienced by creative folk. It's that same tension that's experienced between the artful dancing kite and the stable grounded string. Along the way, we interview fabulous guests who have found their own success, managing that tension and living their own creative lives. Today's guest is Kenya McGuire Johnson, whose music has charted in the U.S. Top 30 Billboard Urban Adult Contemporary Charts, the Top 50 Smooth Jazz Independent Charts, and Top 10 on the Independent UK Soul Charts, in which her previous album, My Own Skin, in 2015, reached the number one spot for consecutive weeks. Now, I've known Kenya for about 10 years, as I booked her to play the first music fest I've ever founded and directed back in 2010. Since, she's traveled the globe playing her music, and today we're going to jump around and between the different periods of Kenya's creative journey. So grab that string, hold on, and get ready to fly some kites, Kenya style. How are you doing, Kenya? I'm good. I'm good, 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 good. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. And I will let you know right away that we, we did mention to Tracy, Tracy Hamlin, who you guys know. Each yeah, other. yeah. When when I mentioned you, her face just lit up. Oh, yeah. She's a sweetheart. She's incredibly talented. Well, it, she said the same about you. So <laughs> <laughs> what a win. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I thank you for coming on again. This is this is exciting. I had I had been for a while thinking, okay, I need to get Kenya in here, and here you are, and I'm glad to have you here. Yeah, Steve is our master booking agent. I and, see. Uh, I, I I hear that's a familiar uh, <laughs> connection for you guys. I was just briefly telling Catherine Kenya, and I didn't I didn't realize this. Uh-huh. The last trail mix, right before pandemic and all that, we had you on. Now, first off, what I didn't tell you, Catherine, the very cool thing, this day was ass hot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was it hot? Was, was it yeah. hot? Like- it was ass hot, but then didn't it do, there was something else crazy That's the about. story. Here's the thing. That I, and I played like middle and we right. were out there sweating it up. Oh, that's right. Right. And then it rains just a little bit. And then this cool wave comes over. <laughs> right as Kenya just as there. I was getting there <laughs> I brought it in she comes into the preserve and then whoosh, and everybody oh my gosh Kenya came on she hit the air conditioning and and then she played That's and right. she, she she was amazing That's so, so funny I remember that now Yeah that was so much fun and what I was just telling Catherine is and I didn't realize this it was up on stage was on introducing you mm-hmm. and you had said on stage that I was the first person to book you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I had no idea. 
You didn't know that. I had I no idea. I couldn't, I couldn't let you know that. Yeah. <laughs> first deciding to get back into this seriously. And I remember being like, oh, my God, I've got this like major thing. I've got to get my life together. Well, that's so cool because I want to hear a little bit about that coming back into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was in a dad rock band and tired of just playing Rolling Stone covers. And what I had noticed is that there are so many musicians around us. And I talked to the park district. I said, let's just do a local music fest. And I was telling my friend Patrice, who I think at the time you had kids in the same preschool. Yeah. Oh, my God. And our kids are seniors. Oh, <laughs> I had no idea that was your first. That's so crazy. I didn't realize that was because of Patrice. Yeah. She was the one that connected me. So you came back. Like, tell us about that story. But hold on. You said I had to get my life together. Yeah. And make yeah. music, I think, was the second half of that sentence, which is like my favorite. I had to get my life together, you know, make some music, <laughs> go from there. What What were you getting yeah. it together from? I think is no, where we're going. You know what? I, I did so much music as a kid. Like that was my life. I mean, I grew up in the 80s. And for me, music meant you had to be a star star. I didn't understand mm. that, you know, all the different levels of music. And I didn't want to. I didn't see myself as that. So, yeah. So when I became an adult, you know, I went to college and I I studied physical therapy. And so um, I was always a pretty, you know, pretty good student. So I did, you know, I could do school well. And so then I was able to get into physical therapy and I practiced, but I was, ah, let's see, I guess I was in my late twenties going into my early thirties and I started having kids. And it's just when you're a creative and you're not doing it. And I didn't know this at the time, but I was just like dying this slow death. Mm. I knew that I needed to do something creative and I needed to get that back in my life. And so I just didn't no. see how a mother of two babies, you know, how, how is all of that going to translate to being a star or being, you know, cause of course in my head, I just thought star. I was really feeling, I think now in hindsight, depressed, you know, going to work was hard. My marriage at that time was hard. Being a mother was, everything was just hard. Mm-hmm. And so I actually decided to go to therapy and I, I actually have my master's in counseling. So I already knew, I know I, I, did, I was doing everything, but <laughs> so I was yes. like, physical therapy, this, this, everywhere. I had, I had taken some writing classes as I've always enjoyed writing some creative writing classes um, with University of Chicago's Graham School and, and nothing was scratching the itch. And I, I knew I needed to figure this out. So I went to counseling. It was my counselor was the pers- first person who said, I really think until you really do something musically, there's going to be a part of you that's just not there. Yay, counselor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cr- like bonus points to that counselor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you did you fight oh, that yeah, person on absolutely. that? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh uh-uh, uh, yeah, uh-uh. it's, it's something I mean, different. I heard her and I was like, oh, that's nice. Okay. But, you know, and so she just kept pushing that. She was, she kept thinking in terms of community choirs and I had done so many choirs growing up. And I, I said, if I do do music, mm. I ha- I don't want to be in a choir. And because okay. she kept pushing more of that being a starting ground and I didn't see how else I could start. I just kind of kept pushing it to the side. Okay. Mm. What, what was the downside with community choirs? <sighs> so everything. I enjoy okay. choirs because of the <laughs> ultimate sound you get and, you know, the final piece. Mm-hmm. But yeah. when you're in choirs, you're dealing with so many personalities and, you know, you know, I'm, I paid attention. The person next to me is singing wrong and doesn't know the lyric. Does, it's just frustrating. You know, we're never going to get this. You got to listen, <laughs> pay attention. Mm-hmm. So, and then there's, depending on the choir you're in, you start, you get, people get a little jealous. 
And so you get that energy, you know, that that group kind of whatever. Mm. And I just didn't want to be a part. I was in my 30s at this point. I was like, I'm done with it. I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm not going back yeah. in that environment. And I had too much music in my mind because I could still create things. All yeah. right. You needed to be the generator of the art. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, all the voices coming together is really cool and that's mm-hmm. grand. But there isn't that individual component. Right. It's beautiful when it all happens, <laughs> right. but there isn't that exactly. individual component. And I, I did feel like if I was going to do this, having children, juggling career, it needed to be something I really wanted to do. So I, yeah. I, I stayed away from it. And then she didn't push me, but I just, yeah, I started falling apart more. <laughs> but what was, what was she hearing that said, Ken, you need to do this? Well, because... One of the big themes that has happened in my life, and this was even after getting in music, and I, I would say it's just in the past two years, I think I fully kind of have wrapped myself around what I want and who I am. I know she kept hearing me be like, mm-hmm. just feeling lost and not feeling like myself. I was feeling really the majority of my adulthood it was feeling like I was looking, you know, those, what are those, what are they called where they have the little snow, snow scene and you shake it? Oh, the it snow globe. Yeah. Oh, the, the snow the globe. globe. Right, snow globes. I felt like I was on the outside, like looking at a snow globe. It looked very pretty. It was very nice, but I wasn't in there. Mm. I wasn't like watching this life. And I think that's what she kept hearing me not being able to connect. And when I would talk about music, when she would ask me about music, she's like, you light up, you, you come mm. alive. Um, she's like, but then there's a sadness that's telling me, you know, she's like, that's telling me something. So... Now, I'm not going to lie. I love it when I hear that a counselor therapist type does well and helps people. I know it happens all the time, but it's pretty validating on the me level. And I'm going to guess for Catherine too. Evidence that validates our profession. However, and not that Kenya is our client, but we're going to show and demonstrate just how non-scientific the field is. Two people, namely Catherine and I, will demonstrate how two very similarly credentialed people can look at and approach the same material in a totally different way. Now, there's no way of knowing if this interview would have ended up covering the same stuff, but I really dig the direction we went. How did you actually get to the place where you're like, okay, yes, music, and I need to do it that way? Oh, Catherine. So I wish I I could say that was just like a boom, baba, doom, but... Honestly, the big triggering moment for me where I was like, okay, enough is enough. I have to do something. A really good girlfriend of mine here in the South Suburbs has started a dance school. And she herself is a physician. And she has four kids. And um, at the time she was married. And she opened up a dance school and invited you know, me to come to opening recital. And I saw her dancing And I was like, she's doing it. She's doing her dream. Like she's making this happen. You can do this. I was crying during the thing. And Steve, you probably don't know this, but I I am now, I'm no longer married. But at the time, my um, husband was like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, "I, I, I should be doing this. That should be me. You know, she had, you could sign up for dance classes or whatever during the event. So I had signed up for a class like the very next day. And I got to the class and I was like, okay, this will be something I can do creative. Because <laughs> again, mm-hmm. I was skirting around at all. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I can do. And I get there and no one showed up but me. And she's like, oh, 
unfortunately we really can't do this type of whatever i don't remember what all it was but she's like we really actually need to have the other people that were i lost it i broke down in front of her i said i can't can't even do this right and she was like okay let's pray let's just sit down and pray Mm -hmm. we did a prayer together and i went home and i literally i don't know if i went online or i think i had gotten the little booklet in the mail from prairie state Mm -hmm. college and they had a music program and i just I was like, all right, this is like, it was October. And I'm like, well, let me see if I can find a class for next term or something. And I wasn't really finding much. And I said, well, let me call the director of the program. And I called and she answered and she's like, I have a music theory class starting this Thursday. It's a late starting class. You want to, you want to get in? Can you get in? And I'm like, yes. Her name is Val Nicholson. And she, Valerie is who really started it for me. She really did. You came to these things. And you, you just seeing your friend and in her position, having kids and still opening this up, you came there open to get that. Yeah. And then even when you went to the the first class and nobody showed up, <laughs> it's so painful. But you were open to like, okay, but something has to happen here. And then that professor seemed to open up a lot of things for you. And I think it's as much, I mean, great that they were there and they did all that, but I think it's as much you coming there open and saying, I want to. I I need to get something. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting, Steve, I love that you asked that question because I was going to ask the the pessimist version of that question, (laughs) which was like, it sounds literally, Kenya, like you were dancing around everything except music that you were very, I'm open to dance. I'm open to this, (laughs) but like Mm -hmm. music, no, that, that door is closed. Why do you think that door was closed for you? So Catherine, so this is a deep answer. Okay. And I didn't know Uh this at the time. I knew that if I did music, I was going to have to change everything about mm. my life. I mean, this is like, I'm getting all you know deep here, but I, I knew there were so many things I had planted in my life that were not really in alignment yeah, with me. Yeah. And I had done so many things to masquerade mm-hmm. and it wasn't an intentional masquerade. I just, I didn't know how to get yeah. to me. I knew, I said, the moment I really get in music, this is all going to change because I had studied music for so long. I had, my father was a musician. So for me, music wasn't this little thing. Oh, la, la, la. I knew that if I really get serious about this, I'm going to, this is going to take off. I know that, you know, what does that mean for my kids? What does that mean for my family? What does that mean where I live? What does that mean for my job? So I think that's why I just, you know, skirted around. Yeah. I think that's such a a beautiful and insightful answer, Kenya, because it it sounds like what you were trying Mm -hmm. to do was find the like creativity brick that fit into this house that you built. And and the creativity brick was just not, it was like, nope, nope. We got to level this (laughs) shit and start over. Yes. But that's scary. That's scary. It's very scary. I need a new house is a scarier thought than I need to put in this new brick. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so it meant my whole livelihood. And I, you know, it, like I said, it wasn't until the past two years that I, and I was, I've been pretty heavy in music now. So even once I got still heavy in it and I knew, I said, I know, I know the more I'm heavy in this, the more I know this isn't how I'm supposed to do my personal life either. I know this. It was something that I was just going to suck it up. You know, but, and that's why I tell people, you have to allow things to fall apart. It's so important to fall completely apart because when you're Velcroing and trying to staple this here and it's, it's not, it's not sustainable. Because you might be able to Velcro and staple it just good enough to have it work. Right. But that doesn't mean it's quality. Exactly. 
way interesting. Now moving forward, we're going to hit upon not only Kenya's focus on her music, but in what I imagine also hits upon a spiritual calling. We focus some on her efforts to help others. We're going to hear about some of the obstacles that Kenya experiences given her voice and genre relative to pop, hip-hop, and rap. And we're going to hear more about how COVID has truly challenged the music world that Kenya inhabits. I love that she looks inward and to God in order to try and figure out what we might be asked to do in light of all of this. So what do you, what does a person need <laughs> to be able to let uh, it fall apart? Well, for me, I needed to have a different relationship in my spiritual life, a different relationship with God, because I didn't feel safe. And so I feel like the ultimate safety is not going to probably come in another human saying it's okay. Like I finally realized this is going to have to come from a space of knowing mm. and that that knowing is not really human form. And that took a, that took several years. Mm -hmm. I, I did a, a very intensive spiritual retreat back in 2009, which really was what shifted and got me then full head in music. And it, it really pushed me and it started making me understand myself differently spiritually. So if you didn't make that choice. If you just kept building your house and you kept trying different like bricks to fit in, do you think that God would have just showed up and been like, you're doing it wrong, Kenya. I'm going to knock your house down for you because you haven't Absolutely. done it. Oh, he was knocking all kinds of houses. <laughs> I mean, this honestly, me getting a divorce was the, the biggest of the house because I, and, and, and I, my ex-husband is an amazing man. I mean, he's a, a beautiful man and so and I knew that this, though, wasn't where my soul really needed to sit when it came to that. And I knew the music was going to break me open. I mean, that's what creative arts does. I'm not, I do jazz, I do soul. So that's not music. I, I don't come up with beats. I don't come up with, you know, loops. That's not how, you know, I actually write and have to, you know, arrange and listen and all of that stuff. So that breaks you open. I, like I said, I thank God and spirit team and ancestors, ancestors, they all sat and just waited. And I, I'm like, okay, you know, it's a process. It's a journey. It's not something that's a light switch. No, that, that takes a long time. Part of the reason why I asked you that question was I feel like in my journey, I was being really, really fucking stubborn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And God, ancestor spirit, whoever you want right. to call it was like, nope. Right. Sorry, girl, I'm just going to flip your entire life upside down for you Absolutely. because you have neglected to do yes. that for yourself. Absolutely. So now here you go. Go, <laughs> go off, go off little bird. Go I off, little destroyed bird. your house. <laughs> You're right. Go off little bird and the little bird flies. The, that's the point. You will fly. As you can tell then. So, so music is very symbolic to yeah. me discovering, you know, and really becoming myself. So it's a very sacred yeah. space for me. You want me. More than you can say I know you need more each and every day Long talks were good for yesterday But what if I show you more? Yes, we all know that live sports are market-driven and that there are, for some reason, many people who will literally drop thousands of dollars to watch millionaires tackle each other on a field. And don't get me wrong, I like sports and I miss having the opportunity to catch a live Cubs game. Note too that the music breaks from here on out are all canned.
as, yeah. as I've come to know a little bit of what you've done, you in the world of music, you've you've done a number of things. There's certainly your own singing and songwriting and and doing what you do with your career, but working with other people in their career, you still seem to do a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of artist development. And I still I still do artist development, but we're in yeah. a really different time now. So artist development means so much. It's right a different now. world. Yeah. So yeah, it's a really, really different world. And it's crazy to watch it in live time. Like I'm like, wow, I'm actually watching this all like really change before my eyes. So but but yeah, but I still I mean, I'm glad I've, I've never been one, as you can tell, to just do one thing. And I, I keep telling myself I want to do, like, I want to do one thing. Yeah. And, and as we've said before about this podcast, it was born out of the pandemic and adapting. And it sounds like that's one of the things that you, you've done and you, you've continually had to do. Yeah, this pandemic is doing, it's doing some stuff. Mm -hmm. It's really educating me. Ah, it's, it's changing a lot. I was just actually on Clubhouse. Uh, I don't know if you guys are on Clubhouse or not. No. Is this another social media that we're it, it behind is. on? And, and <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking about it a lot because I do think that as artists and podcasters and people who, particularly those who talk and, you know, share mm -hmm. ideas, it's a good, it's, it's really just a, a platform where you get in different quote unquote virtual rooms and talk, but okay. people in these rooms can be mainstream celebrities it's almost like being at a at a conference or something. I was just listening to one. They're like, this has been the most lucrative year for music ever for my clients. And I know what that's about. That is, those are for, you know, my my 18-year-old, the music he listens to. Yes, mm -hmm. that music is it's viral. It's it's, you know, the streaming is yeah. crazy. Those people are making six-figure, seven-figure deals right now. Um, mm -hmm. but for artists like myself, where live music was more of why we even do this, you know, the studio is fine and we can, you know, stream and, you know, try to, you know, target our people and make ourselves viral, but it's not why I do music. So now I feel like I'm like, you know, okay, well, do I need to, you know, start targeting things a little bit different? Like what, what do I need to do in this? And is this what I did music for, you know? And I, and it really isn't. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of shifting. Um, and I'm, I'm doing probably more on my coaching counseling hat now. And I do have a new single that's going to be coming out soon and thinking mm -hmm. through how I'm going to release that knowing that I'm not hip hop and I'm not going to go viral like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not pop music. I'm not, yeah. you know, rap. I'm not popular in that kind of regard. So it's it's a it's an interesting space. Uh, well, the other the other thing that I'm really feeling in in what you're saying, Kenya, is that I mean, I guess if someone asked me this, I'd be like, duh. But I like really feel it right now. <laughs> the, the how different music is really designed to be experienced in different ways. Like you could tell me what your son is streaming, and I would be like, uh huh. <laughs> I got, I got nothing, but I'm sure that that is perfect to be streamed and heard in right, that way. Right. And if I'm going to listen to like some jazz, I want to sit in a club right. at a small table with a right. really delicious and probably way overpriced cocktail. <laughs> um, right. And I want, I want to feel the whole thing because exactly. the music 
enhances the space. Right. And, and just thinking about how different music is designed for different spaces and, and how much um, COVID has limited our access to spaces. You, yeah. you said that beautifully because certain music requires a certain experience. Mm-hmm. You're going to be quite disappointed going to a hip hop show live probably or a pop show because that's not what the art form was really about. You know, some, it depends. There's some areas of hip hop that it was for live, but a lot of studio stuff is for that. Right. And, and it's either very big, like a Beyonce, where you have 300 people that are putting this all together or not like nowadays. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and this is, this is me and I'm going to sound like an old cynical curmudgeon, <laughs> but that plays guitar, but there's, there's something to be said <laughs> For that string vibrating and to get those that feeling of music being produced, right? And and that's right. what you mentioned earlier, like people right. that are making loops. It does. I don't. Care. It's 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 a lot. It's it's. I mean, I've been really sitting with this during the pandemic, trying you know, asking God, like, okay, what is it? What what are you? What what are we? Those of us who sit in the space of actually creating art musically in a way that requires experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and not live stream, like really requires in-room face-to-face experience. What is it that you're teaching us or where are you trying to pivot us? Or I do think that they're, you know, I know Steve and I are in the same kind of generation. I don't know about Catherine. She looks a little bit younger. Than I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit younger. But I do feel like you have millennial and then you have baby boomer and then you have us, which I guess we're generation what are we X? We're gen. Okay, we're right. we're beginning gen. Yeah, and so I feel like we're a very voiceless generation. Like we're a very do accommodating generation. We 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 accommodate the baby boomers. We're accommodating the millennials. We're we don't speak too loud, but we're the ones that are actually probably keeping the economy actually rolling. Mm-hmm. We're the ones that's keeping you know voting actually really being what it is. But we're not talking like we're not speaking and we're not talking about our needs because we were like the latchkey kids that Mm -hmm. just kind of just figure it out, you know, like seriously, (laughs) totally. (laughs) I feel like I'm okay. Is that what you're wanting us to get our voice to get our voice and like, let Mm -hmm. it be known what we want? What is it that we need? Because what I need is not obviously what my 18 year old needs, but it's not what the 35 year old needs either. Mm -hmm. And it's not what the 70 year old needs. And so I, we've been lumped into this old school. Like you just want to hear old school music. It's like, no, there's, you know, I want to just listen to everything from the eighties and nineties that I want to hear new things. So, okay. How do we, how do I start giving voice to our generation musically? Because mm-hmm. I think we're really missed in this equation right now. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe God is tearing down the house <laughs> there <he goes> again. <laughs> telling, telling us to, to rebuild it and, and introduce some new, some new yeah. old stuff. Some new old stuff. I mean, stuff that, yeah, that's still experienced, you know. Yeah. And this came up once before. In fact, when we were talking to some 20-somethings, when we did a group yep. thing. Are you thinking Steve, of that? we've been doing this too long now. We're thinking the same questions. We're <laughs> thinking the same things. <laughs> that's hilarious. I have a podcast and me and my co-host, we do the same things. <laughs> yeah, so they were talking what's going to happen at the end of this. Are people going to jump into big concerts and huge Lollapaloozas? Right. Are they going to be the small, intimate things? But they definitely were of the mind that it's going to get together back to that, yeah. the live music experience. Yeah. And I think there's embracing I, of that. I agree. I hope. I, I hope. do think, I mean, when you think of pandemic and number sizes and so forth, 
yes, that, that intimate experience is numbers wise, but then there's this issue of social distance and there's the issue of a, of a business. If I can only hold 25 people, like what's my business? Like I, I've got to still be able to pay for my business. So that's the only mm-hmm. conundrum. And I don't know, the Super Bowl had 22,000 people, which I was just really, really confused. I was just so confused by all of that. So they were allowed to have 22,000 people. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I- but that, people couldn't see my face. It was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> like when I was thinking about the the three the three M's who are in their twenties <laughs> wanting to get back to these big Lollapalooza, you know, Coachella kind of things. I think what I'm really craving is a a small intimate venue and maybe that that's just where I'm at in my age in my place in life like I'm not missing like big crowd socialization I'm missing intimacy intimacy in connections intimacy in spaces intimacy with art I don't want mass consumption anymore like I've pared down my life with this pandemic to really like look for the things that I treasure and if that means I'm gonna pay you know a hundred bucks to go sit and hear you sing at a jazz club for an hour like I'm in a place right now where I'm like yes that is what I want to do yeah no I'm (laughs) with you and I'm I'm hoping I mean it's interesting with with singers and with COVID and social distancing we actually I had gone through this whole thing the Grammys have put on about how singers because you're projecting you know it's not six feet Mm -hmm. it really needs to be like 20 feet of distance Again, it's, it's about infra- how is infrastructure going to accommodate intimacy <laughs> when it comes to music? Yeah. Um, because I do think that even with the mm-hmm. vaccine, this is my science background, but when you get the vaccine, it, doesn't, it, it just protects you from getting sick, which is good, but it doesn't protect the disease from necessarily entering your body. It's just you're not going to mm-hmm. get sick from it. Yeah. So if I have yeah. you know, something right. and I'm singing out right. and, you know, and I'm projecting because you're singing, you know, so that's going to be a while. So... I don't know. It's and that's what right. I get like, oh, you know what I get all. <laughs> Where are my acoustic engineers? Because what I just heard is how do we create a venue that allows vocalists to be on stage where there's some kind of like protective barrier that's not fucking plexiglass i'm sick of fucking plexiglass (laughs) (laughs) that allows the sound waves to travel but stops germs so this is my call this is my challenge to anyone who knows about acoustics please make that thank you (laughs) well i will say this if you have you ever gone to (laughs) i I went in vegas um to a cirque du soleil the seats the speaker was in our chair it was in the headrest it was like literally like wearing oh. earphones, but it's live. So you, 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 you're seeing it, but the sound quality allowed you to really feel and hear cool. every detail of the performance, but visually see the, the spectacle. So that's, you know, I, of course, they're Cirque du Soleil, so they make a lot of money <laughs> so they can, can do that. But that, that type of engineering yeah. where you could allow the audience to still sit back and hear the, 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 the live, mm-hmm. you know, arrangement. Um, but still intimate with whoever you're with or whatever in that space and and still, you know, watch. So yeah, maybe Catherine, I don't know. That's a good call out. So there, there are some creative people out there that can figure this out and we (laughs) we're hopefully doing our job and letting them know that there's definitely an interest. (laughs) Always on my mind, replaying the good times together. 
I like Kenya's recall about a solution at Cirque du Soleil, and I have since imagined some way cool, cootie-killing, ionizing air shield between stage and audience. And Catherine and I both referenced the 20-something 3Ms, Maddie, Maggie, and Morgan from episode 19. Next up, we get a glimpse into Kenya's start in music. Wanna find my way back to you And live in a place Where love grows stronger each day So, I wanna, I wanna go back. So we've, we've kind of picked up this, I feel like we're approaching your, your story like George Lucas did in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> How did this whole thing start? Oh, when did you say, hilarious. you know what, this music thing is kind of cool, even though it got set back for a little while as a as kid? As a kid, yeah. I mean, I, I can't remember not being a part of music. I really think I learned how to read through liner notes. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm so mm-hmm. not joking because my dad was a, a drummer, huge, massive jazz fan and, and played jazz drum, but also soul, funk. And so we had so many albums in our house just, and, and, you know, back then the cover art is this big. So you've yeah. got these just amazing images. You know, when you see albums now, that's the whole point of making vinyl so attractive is because you've got this big old picture. I just was so curious. I would see these cover arts, like, who is this? I've always been around it. So I've always thought music was amazing. I didn't think it was special though, because I was raised with it. So I thought mm. everybody, doesn't mm. everybody, <laughs> you know, my dad was a drummer, right, so right. he beat everything like with his hand, like, and I mean, his car, his steering wheel, the table, it, it was nothing. It wasn't like, what are you doing? Or why are you doing? It was like a show each night. You're like, okay, yeah, get mm-hmm. it, daddy, go and do it again. Like, <laughs> so, so that's pros and cons. The cons was I didn't see it as special. So I didn't see mm-hmm. that this was something that you could really you know, what you're doing and the way you listen to music is, is different, you know? So I had the moment of recognizing this is something I can do. Like I can actually sing when I was eight, I had, I was given a solo and I remember trying to practice a solo and I was like, wow, they must really think I can do this, you know, because I I was so nervous and scared, but, and even then I still was like, eh, but by the time I got to high school, I was just, I was really, really involved. So yeah. I knew it was something special. As a kid, certainly you had this all around you. You knew that there was enough of this performance thing that you were a little scared. I get that, <laughs> right? You're going to sit in front of everybody. Yeah, you're going to do this thing. Yeah. What was it that made it go sort of dormant? Obviously, you found out that you were good at school. Like, had <laughs> you not been so smart in school, might have been <laughs> something you would have pursued right away. Or do you think... Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think this is the this is the tricky thing about having options. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, options are great, but for me personally, my ability and I'm, I struggle with this to this day very badly. Like when you have a lot of interest and you can do a lot mm-hmm. of things, it's hard to focus and, and narrow and, and get in that space with just one thing. And the other thing about music you know, in the arts is when you don't do it for a while, you know, your confidence starts to just, you know? So for me, once I kind of started stepping back from it and I stepped back honestly, cause yeah, I was in college and I was like, I'm here for physical therapy. And I went to Howard university and I was in their gospel choir and it was no joke. You had audition. It was very intense. And it taught me immensely about, about music and performance. Um, But I wasn't a music major. So once I graduated from college, that was it. Like I really didn't Mm -hmm. have the outlet 
once I go through the, you know, year after year of not practicing, not singing. Yeah. It just made me less confident. So when the thought came back, the idea that, oh yeah, I used to do this. Did the next thought go? Yeah. But that ship has sailed. Is that kind of the thought? Yes. What absolutely. I'm okay. Yeah. My confidence level was so low at that point because I hadn't done it for so long. That was another mask though, because I knew all you got to do is mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll, you'll get it back. So I, I, you know, people tell people, oh, just go for your dreams and, you know, just, Uh (laughs) and I'm that person too. I tell people dream big and go for your passion, but I know it is daunting. It is suffocating at times. You have to do a lot of self-work. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as like, go for your dreams, go for your dreams. You know that that's, that's, that's not an easy, oh, just go for your dreams. That's a, you're going to have to commit to this. Yeah. And, and most likely you're going to have to, in my opinion, and this is my counseling hat, you're going to have to commit to the shadow work, the, the crap, because there's something that's really blocking you and that has to be tackled. It has nothing to do with the art. It has nothing to do with the passion. It has nothing to do with the thing, the gift that you have. This is you blocking you. So you've got to unlearn a lot of things, you know, really explore why you do what you do, be willing to look at it without judgment and shame And I mean, do we ever really, really get there? But what I have seen though, when you do that hard work and you really roll up your sleeves, I mean, I would have never dreamed I'm where I'm at now musically. Never, ever, ever, ever. That was never, my biggest goal was, I think to like perform at like a Starbucks. Like I was like, when I first started, I'm like, boy, if I could just get in a little shop somewhere and sing, like this would just be amazing. So, you know, the fact that I've been able to tour internationally and I was able to attend the Grammys twice that, you know, I'm a voting member for the Grammys. Like, I mean, this, these are things that I just never, that never, that's crazy. And I, even when I say it out of my mouth right now, I'm like, you know, that's just crazy. So so So. that's why I'm going to have to back. How does one become, I mean, (laughs) do you just send in like a draw tippy and fill out an application? (laughs) Wait, 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 do people, do you know what he's talking about with draw tippy? (laughs) No, draw tippy the turtle in the back of every magazine you draw it in you send it in you know now okay now i know yeah yeah no it's not quite like that certainly more involved (laughs) than that how did that happen i mean basically you 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 have to apply and you have to get recommendations and you've got to you have to have a certain presence meaning how much music you've actually you know released and published and out there and so i I became part of the recording academy um as just a general member as I started growing and producing and releasing more music, I decided it's time for me to see what it takes to become a voting member. And so there are certain parameters, certain, mm-hmm. certain amount of music has to be released. So they have a whole committee and there's, it's, 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 it's a little, little politics, a little there, you know, <laughs> and it's yeah. actually an academy that I, you know, I go back and forth saying that I probably should push harder to become a, more on the trustees side and, you know, get a little bit more involved on the, in the, in the higher levels as, uh, you know, beyond just being a voting member, but it requires a lot of work networking mm-hmm. and having the podcast is, has really just skyrocketed my ability to, to connect with people. Like, so most all industries, it's, it's who, you know, it's who, you know, sitting alone, reflecting yesterday, my life was full of so much pain, questioning, never believing. Okay, I mentioned George Lucas and Star Wars. 
Then we hit upon shadow work. Now we're going to discuss the universe and the benefit of getting to know the people in your spin class. We're also going to hear Kenya's discussion on managing both her kite and her string. And this is Kenya's most recent single, Back to Forever. So your mindset was, okay, maybe I'll play a coffee shop or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. when, did, when did it go, wait a minute, maybe, maybe it's going to be more than a coffee shop? Uh, yeah, I'll, there were so many steps. To be honest, there's so, there was so much divinity happening, meaning I wasn't Googling to find things. Mm-hmm. Like things were just landing literally kind of in my lap. I have this classic story. I always share this to show you just how much the universe, when you make a decision to do something and it's actually really in alignment with who you are and your purpose and your gift and all that, then you really, that's all you have to do because then the the universe just shows up. I had decided to record my first little project. I had never been in the studio professionally to record like my own. I had been in the studio before, but not mm-hmm. Kenya's song, you know, project. And I was working with a producer out here and he was very modest and was like, yeah, I've worked with, you know, some, some decent artists. And he never really kind of said much. Anyway, I started going to him every like Tuesday and, you know, I pay him like, I don't know, 20 bucks, something really low. He charged me really low to just lay down different parts. And so as we started really pulling my songs together, cause I was playing the keys for my parts, I'm singing for my parts. He's like, you're actually really a musician. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I am. And I'm like, maybe, I don't know. And he's like, well, you really, I think you should, I, I want you to meet a producer friend of mine. He's, he, he won a Grammy for mi- remixing Crazy in Love. Beyonce is Crazy in Love. He's worked with Will Smith on Summertime. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what? I can't, I'm just laying down five notes. Like, you know, I can't, I'm not going to meet some producer that you know, has won Grammys. Like, that's ridiculous. So I just always would be like, Okay. And I, again, here Kenya goes, poo, 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 uh-huh. you know, like whatever. And so he would just kept, he would say that like so often. And so, so just a little bit of a, a quick back thing. I was doing, I used to do a lot of spin classes and, you know, when you do these classes, you don't really know the people's names, right? You just know them by their face or, you know, whatever. So I would be on bike two and there's a guy that was always bike one. That's like how I knew where to sit. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's, that's dude bike one. I'm bike two. So I'm in a studio one day. And there's a flyer, literally, just a flyer, like a DJ flyer, some party flyer on the floor and the picture on it. I'm like, I know that guy. I'm like, that guy's in my spin class. He's like, what, bike two. And the, the producer I work with, he's like, that's the guy that I've been telling you, you need to meet. I'm like, are you lying? I, I see him every Tuesday and Thursday. Like literally, we, that's like my spin partner. I mean, we don't know each other's names. Once I formally met him, he knew everything about how you set up your stuff independently and distribution and all of that because he had he had been in the music game. He was my first major, major, you mm-hmm. know, mentor that really showed me if I have the ability to work with a Grammy Award winning producer, this is going to go somewhere. Yeah, and that was pretty mm-hmm. early in the game because you started playing live because I don't I don't think it was prior to 2009. No, it was. I, I released my EP in 2010. That's when I, when I started really kind of getting out 2010, yeah. kind of two, and then 2012 was a, a really big year okay. for me um, locally. And that was the, the other next pivot was I, I saw myself performing a lot more in 2012. And I also turned 40 in 2012. Okay. 
that was a spiritual moment where I said, all right, it's time to take this to another level. I could just feel it. And I honestly, I feel that again right now. I'm in a season where I can feel there's another big shift coming about. So I'm just kind of breathing in and out. Some days I feel really confident about the shift. Other days I'm mm. like, no. I think it's really interesting in that there's this the approach that you took. And I know for me, when I was a kid playing guitar, it's just you got with a bunch of guys, you played music and you probably played live and you don't even think about recording anything. Right. You were like, okay, right. no, you know what? Right. I want to record something. I want to get this down. I want to, I want to have some good music before I get out in front of people. Yeah. Because yeah. what I was thinking, Kenya, is like you're you're someone who was like born a kite. You're this kid mm. that's just kiting around doing music, <laughs> and then like you know responsibilities. Be, you're you're smart, so you get ushered into like education, yeah. and so then when when your kiteness makes itself renowned to you it sounds like the way you really went about that was a very string kind of way of doing it i'm gonna go yeah you got back into music by taking a class at the the i know college okay okay so it's like you you reconnected up through the string the the kite was there there it's there was no denying it and and that is me so mm-hmm. I am a kite in the string. Yeah, I mean, you I, are. The science part of my brain, right? It's very, and is running a business in music. It's excellent for mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but it's also it can you know one they kind of attack each other, like they kind of fight. You know, sometimes the creativity is like, be quiet, you know, <laughs> sit down, so we can you know do this. And then sometimes it's like, be quiet, creative. We've got to we got to get this down. Mm-hmm. You know. I feel sometimes like I'm watching, you know, back and forth, like, okay, where am I? You, you're right. You know, this is the other thing I tell people, you, God, universe is going to meet you where it can get your attention. So I needed to do music theory because I needed to feel like I had some control, you know, yeah. that's, that was yeah. going to give me some kind of control and yeah. I could label it. But like now I'm, I'm, I'm kiting a lot. Yeah, you are. <laughs> kind of like, all right, you know, where are we going to, where are we going to land You said today? something about another big shift coming about. I What's, do feel it. Yeah. I do. do you have an idea as to what that's going to look like? <laughs> well, I've kept music and then my counselor coaching. Like I, I've tried to keep them kind of mm-hmm. separate, but I feel now that this is the time for me to really merge and to present music from a more holistic space. So in other words, not just present the song because the song is a nice beat, but what's the message? What's the PSA that I want to say with this? I'm actually working right now. I just had a meeting with my PR people because I said this song that I'm releasing next, it's more than a song. It's a, it's a really heavy, it's a message. And I want to start having a conversation to the public about it. I don't want to just have a song that we stream on Spotify. You know, I'm a storyteller. So, you know, films, conversations, shows, more than just a performance show. I, I see myself getting more in that space. And I've, I've always really, really loved film. I feel like I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't have the crystal ball. So people are like, oh, your music to be licensed on film. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That can be a piece of it. But I feel like, no, I feel like I'm supposed to tell more of a story, you know, whether it be documentary, docu-series. Like there's, there's something more. I, can, I, I don't have my fingers completely on it. But I'm finding myself getting more circles now with film people lately. 
And my my newest music video that's going to be coming out is definitely more. It's it's not film, but it it it, it kind of is. There's a there's a specific Excellent. message happening, and it's told in a really, I think, creative way. So yeah, I I don't know what that equals. And I'm also you know I, I as I mentioned, I'm I'm a newly single person, and I so there's a lot going mm-hmm. on. And I'm like I just have these major shifts. Yeah. Um. And all of it feels really right. Feels very grounded. Um, I just don't know what it is. When exactly. it shows up, I think you'll be there to to grab it and do something with it. I'm oh, excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> so now what's what's the name of the podcast? So my podcast is called Making Money in the Music Business. So my co-host and I have known each other since undergrad mm. college. He's um, a, a jazz saxophonist, but he's also a music professor um, in the business music business department at a university in Maryland. Mm. And so, yeah, we bring on different guests, mostly soul jazz artists. And then we also bring in industry people who like, whether it be from publicists to accountants, music, music managers, supervisors, those type of people. I always tell people it's not about how to get rich in music. <laughs> it's just, how do you, how do you monetize, you know, what you're doing and how do you, start learning the, the actual music business so cool. itself. It sounds like that's been fun for you. No, I love mm-hmm. it. It's, it's really, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's allowed me to really broaden my connection. So it's fun. And it sounds like you too, like you said earlier, you get, you have the creative writing music, right. And playing music and performing, but there's also that whole other creative part of you that is this, the, the podcast and the, developing the the, mm-hmm. the artist development work that you do all of yeah. that stuff all fits yeah. into this kind of creative like world that you yeah do. it's just this whole yeah it's like a city i love it the house it got is. knocked down and you built a city <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love that <laughs> <laughs> oh my god perfect <laughs> Can you build a city? That might be what we're going to talk <laughs> Knocks oh, down her house God. and builds the there city. I love that. I'm going to use Excellent. that. It's something. I'm going to quote. I'm gonna be Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Kenya, yeah. I want to say thank you so much for coming on. This has been such thank a great talk. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out, Steve. Yeah. Always. Steve, you think I'm, Steve is a kite. My goodness. Steve is all Steve is like 12 kites. <laughs> so Pleasure great to meet you, you. Catherine. You were a lot of fun. Love it. Love All it. Right, love you it. guys have a nice evening. You take care. Bye. We had so much fun talking with Kenya. She's way cool, and I love that she was so open with us about her art and her initial struggles ensuring that her art was part of her life. Please check her out at kenyamjmusic.com. The Kites and Strings website is www.kitesandstrings.com and find us on patreon.com if you'd like to do that totally pay-what-you-can way of financial support to Kites and Strings. But know, too, that your likes, follows, and kind reviews are also helpful. Elsewhere on the interwebs, you can find Kites and Strings on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. The Kites and Strings theme music is by Harrison Amir. Other original music is by Purple Planet Music at purpleplanet.com. And as mentioned earlier, some of today's music was by our guest, Kenya McGuire-Johnson. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Steve Plume, at Turning Stones Counseling, Inc. Be safe.